Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Stem Cell at Lunch podcast by King's College London. Um, my name is Elena Drudy and I'm a PhD at King's and today I am luckily joined by Dr Vivian Lee who is a group leader at the Francis Crick Institute where she focuses on stem cell biology in cancer and more specifically in the bowel. So hi, welcome Vivian. Hi Elena, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Pleasure to be here. So um, I would just like to ask you to introduce yourself, maybe talk about how you decide to PhD, like the themes that you were interested in. Yeah, sure. Um, I actually uh, started my bachelor in molecular biology back in Hong Kong. So I came from Hong Kong originally. Um, so my interest was um, really specific. Uh, molecular biotechnology program is basically training someone to uh, do laboratory work, to do research work. And that was um, inspired by the Human Genome Project announced in 2000 at that time, like they announced the first draft of Human Genome Project, which really drove me into this um, molecular biology that I was really excited. I thought that was like a great opportunity to uh, further understand human biology behind. So I started with that and then I did my PhD in um in University of Hong Kong uh, medicine specifically, trying to uh, do research on colon cancer. So I was quite interested in bowel cancer already at that time, because I I felt like intestine is actually quite a a beautiful system with a very nice architecture. You have a very clear, structured stem cell at the bottom, and then like a conveyor belt migrating to the top. At that time, it wasn't very clear what stem cell, which stem cells, how exactly it works, but it was clear that it's a really nice system. So that's uh, where I got into. And uh, I started with colon cancer research, trying to understand the genetics behind. Um, and we also try to understand the uh, colon human stem cell biology as well, how exactly it was controlled. And then after my PhD, I thought I want to really continue science and in Hong Kong I guess in any country as well like uh, there is always limited experience and you want to gain more exposure so I applied a fellowship in Hong Kong which allowed me to do my postdoc abroad and I was really like my main interest is intestine so I was trying to look for a lab uh, with intestinal expertise in intestinal stem cells and that was the time actually um, Hans Clavers actually I think Two years before that, he came to Hong Kong, University of Hong Kong, to give a talk, which I was really impressed. So I applied directly to his lab. I got a fellowship. I went there, and that was an amazing experience. Um, He's got a lab full of expertise, like experienced postdoc, and we got lots of exciting scientific discussion. And that was the time that he just published LGR5 as intestinal stem cell markers. So lots of opportunities. Also, when I joined, he just published um, the intestinal organoid culture system, which was the first uh, culture system reported in 2009. So I think that was really exciting time to join and that got me really interested in intestinal stem cell biology and cancer as well. But my original interest was cancer. So I was trying to combine the intestinal stem cell biology with cancer 
And that's also after my postdoc, I, I knew that I want to set up my, my lab to continue in this research area with both intestinal stem cell biology and cancer. I mean, eventually, the, the key interest is to really trying to improve, uh, to understand colon cancer and to improve the treatments. And that's how everything just slowly <laughs> go into place. Yeah, so uh, you kind of had a kind of streamlined process. You always had that one passion, am I right? Or have you ever thought, oh, maybe I'm doubting myself, I should go into something else? Yeah, I started as a plant biotechnology. I don't think anyone knows about that. That was my bachelor when I did my um, molecular biotechnology bachelor in, back in Hong Kong. Um, so at that time, I was quite interested in uh, to start with plant, plant biotechnology. It was also uh, one of their expertise there as well. Um, but then I felt like I wanted to do something more related to human disease. So that's how I, I was trying to explore different areas. Um, I, somehow my research path is always around colon cancer and intestine. And I think the first time I joined the lab, my PhD lab to study colon cancer, I realized the intestinal stru- structure is really very, uh, very good system to study stem cell biology. Because eventually a lot of different system, the stem cell biology in, in embryo, in, in the guts, in skin, in other organ systems, they share quite a lot of uh, molecular mechanism behind regulating the stem cells. So I think if you have a good system, it's good to stick to that to understand more and then to see whether you can apply to other systems. Yeah, I think that's actually a very good suggestion. But I also think that we have this inborn inside us that our passions always kind of bring us to a direction. Like I've worked in many different labs, but somehow I always end up working on extracellular matrix. I feel like it's just always something always pushes you back to what you're kind of interested in. But it's really interesting to hear that you were in plant biology first. It kind of shows us how we can change our opinion and still integrate our past into these new technologies. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, you don't have to fix your career at a very early stage, like as a bachelor, final year project, as your PhD, even your postdoc, you can still change. And it's not a bad thing to gain different experience, different technique as well to expose yourself more. And that's around the postdoc time, that's probably when you have to start thinking about your own research interests, um, which lab that you want to establish, what research questions you want to ask, what system you want to investigate. I think that's probably the time that you really have to focus. But before that, I think it's good to have more exposure. I think that is a great uh, recommendation and uh, quite uh, nice to hear something like that for early researchers. So I I want to say thank you for this first part of kind of looking more into your career. And I think now for the people really interested in just science, um, maybe you can talk a bit about what your lab is working on currently and where you see yourself going in the future. Yeah, well, our lab, basically, we try to understand stem cell and cancer biology in the guts. We focus on the guts, which, as I mentioned, it's a really good system to look at stem cell biology. Um, so what we do is trying to understand how stem cells are maintained in health, healthy guts and what happens when it goes wrong. And we are particularly interested in bowel cancer, um, how exactly it happens, and also um, intestinal failure as well is another condition. Um, so you can think of like 
when stem cells are hyperactivated, it's more promoting to cancer development. Whereas if your stem cells are depleted, then you slowly, uh, you have organ failure and intestinal failure. So we're quite interested in this fine balance. And in particular, we are interested in one signaling pathway called wind signaling, which is essentially a group of proteins function together to promote cell growth. So this pathway is to promote cell growth. Um, We're interested in that because it's important to maintain stem cell uh, populations in the guts, but also uh, it's often being hijacked by cancer cells in the guts to promote cell growth and eventually uh, lead to cancer development. Um, So essentially, almost all bowel cancer cells will have hyperactivation of this pathway. But even that, it was very obvious, like one of the pathway components called APC, which is frequently mutated in bowel cancer, like 80% of them are mutated. But still, so far, after three decades um, identifying this gene, we still do not know how to target it in the clinic. We do not have any single drug in the clinic to target APC mutation which uh, is really surprising to me. Um, there is an obvious reason because the pathway is quite important for normal stem cell maintenance as well. That's why uh, when you target it, it can cause toxicity to your body. So our goal is to, to try trying to understand the wind signaling regulation in stem cell and in cancer, and eventually trying to identify a tumor-specific target, which would target wind pathway in tumor cells only, but not normal cells. And we can reduce the toxicity and improve the efficiency. So that's our ultimate goal. And then um, the second part of our lab is to um, try to uh, understand and develop treatment for intestinal failure. And for that, we use uh, organoid technology, which um, organoids essentially they are um, 3D culture of stem cells where we can grow stem cells from the guts and put them in a dish and they will expand and grow into a cluster of cells and they are really uh, highly regenerative. They can grow, they can be expanded in a dish for a long period of time. They can grow into all different cell types that normally exist in the guts as well. So really highly versatile and regenerative. And because of that, it's really useful for regenerative medicine, such as organ regeneration. And we're trying to explore that as well to rebuild a functional bowel using organoids, combining with other scaffold technology as well. Uh, and I have to say, for people that are interested in this, you should go check out on the Francis Crick Institute website, Vivian Slee's site, because she has some beautiful organoid pictures. I have to say, this is when you do a sci- as a scientist, you always find it beautiful when you have those images to show out. So if you're interested, go look at her page to see those images. But yeah, actually going back into the science now, um, I'm interested to know, so you said you're trying to use a scaffold. So are you trying to put the organoids onto the scaffold or are you just studying with the organoids and then using a different cell type to actually put on the scaffolding? Yeah, so basically um, to engineer intestinal construct or actually any other construct as well, not only for the intestine, but in our case, we focus on intestine. It, It is kind of like building a house where you need a scaffold and bricks, but building an organ, you also need a scaffold and cells together. So we need a scaffold and then we grow the cells, which we use patient derived organoids, which we grow the organoids from patients. So you can create a tissue 
kind of like customized tissue, which the patient can receive without any rejection because it's the patient's own material. And in terms of the scaffold, you can use all different types of scaffolds. People are using synthetic scaffold, which you can um, generate them, 3D printing, for example. Um, they can be quite easy to make and quite cheap as well, but they are not entirely biological, like not exactly what you have in your body. So we're trying to use the approach called decellularization technique. So essentially you get a tissue from, um, from a donor, from a cataract donor or even large animal like piglet. You get a tissue and then you wash away all the cells in it, which leaving behind a structure, which is a representing a scaffold of the intestine of the the, the small bowel uh, with the structure of that but without any cells which will cause the um, the immune response if you have the cells there so we wash away all the cells with only the scaffold that essentially consists of structural proteins um, such as collagen which many people have heard of um, so that will present a really nice biological natural scaffold that we can put the cells back, like organoids back, to recreate a bowel that belong to patients and use it for transplantation. Have you tried this on human bowels or have you mainly been sticking on the mouse model kind of thing? The engineering part, we actually focus on human. So we use patient-derived materials. We got organoids from, we established organoids from uh, intestinal failure patients, and we get the tissue as well from those patients. And um, we engineer the whole thing in patients. We engineer the whole thing with uh, patient-derived organoids and patient-derived scaffolds. So the whole construct is human, but we haven't transplanted back to human yet because you have to do lots of preclinical trial first. So what we have done so far is to engineer a functional human geogenial, which is the meat guts um, of the small bowel, um, to engineer the small bowel graft, and we transplant back to mice for functional study to see if they can grow and mature in, in mice. And uh, eventually, um, one day we want to um, step up and transplant to large animal and eventually to patient as well. But first, we have to improve the consistency, the efficiency of engineering and the safety to prove everything first before we go to human. But the construct itself is human. And do you think, um, I mean, I don't know if this can be reapplied but can it be reapplied for people like that carry stoma back? So for people who don't know it, stoma is basically when your intestine finishes earlier and you need a bag um, because you, it's not long enough your intestine. So you think you can use this same principle to reapply it for kind of these kind of diseases? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think it depends on what disease you have uh, to create a stoma. Uh, what we're trying to do is to engineer the meat guts of the small bowel, which is the parts that absorb most nutrients and electrolytes as well. But if you are missing large bowel, for example, we can also engineer large bowel instead of small bowel, which can complete the whole system and provide the patient back uh, the full bowel, small bowel and large bowel, uh, which eventually can replace the stoma as well. Um, for example, bowel cancer patients, um, some patients after aggressive um, tumor developments, they undergo large part of tissue resection, which some of them may have to uh, create a stoma for uh, to to complete the system. 
Um, so that could be applied for those patients as well. If we engineer large bowel, which can also replace the resector tissue, and eventually it can be uh, used for replacing stoma. Uh, these technologies sound really interesting, and I hope that we can soon see them soon see them go into like a clinical trial. Even though I think we are still in the early stages, as you said, because um, we need to be very safe. Um, so as a last question, just to show, like, to close it off, is maybe I wanted to um, go back onto wind signaling. And I was wondering, I mean, again, trying to think of um, joining different parts of science together, if the similar results that you've seen in the wind signaling that show these, um, that are promising towards this cancer treatment, if you think that they can be applied into any other organ system, Yes, uh, I think the wind signaling that we are studying is is not unique to intestine to the to the bowel system. Um, I mean, wind signaling is important in many other de- organ development as well. Like it's important for skin regulation, for example, um, pancreas development, um, a lot of. Um, organ developments is actually important for essentially almost every single organ at some point during their development. So I think um, if we are able to find any new uh, tumor-specific targets for wind pathway, it will be applicable to more than just bowel cancer. But bowel cancer is our primary targets because majority of bowel cancer have uh, wind pathway activation, whereas wind pathway activation in other cancers is a bit less. Um, but there are still other cancers being affected by wind pathways, such as uh, liver cancer, um, uh, some sort of skin cancer as well, a little bit affected by wind pathway. And we think if we can find tumor-specific targets, it can benefit other tissue as well one day. Thank you very much for joining us today. I feel like what you have talked about is really interesting and I always find enjoyable to learn new things. And um, you really put it in a understandable language for me. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you to all the listeners for joining us and um, see you next week then. Or not see you, listen to you, listen to you next week. Thank you. Thank you.